as we begin a new study in now what we call the historical books, but actually we started with a historical book in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, you'll notice it says now after the death of Joshua. Excuse me, that's Judges. So let's go back to, uh, <laughs> uh, to Joshua. Um, okay, I will be looking at the very last chapter of, uh, of Joshua tonight. So uh, I forgot to turn back to the first chapter of Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Now it's interesting that, uh, again, those are that study the Hebrew uh, tell us that this book begins with the word, with the Hebrew word and, and and in the Hebrew is this continuous action, of course, like it is in English, but very strongly, much more so. For instance, uh, we see in Genesis, Exodus, excuse me, we see in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the word and is what begins the book as a continuation of Genesis. In the beginning, God created. And one of the ways that we know that there weren't long days uh, in, you know, we hear the long day theory that each one of those days was a long Paleolithic or whatever age or whatever. We know that they were 24 hours days because each one of those days because and the Lord said, and the Lord said. So it's continuous action. And so those days were literal six days, and then on the seventh, he rested. And we see now, in the, so in the beginning, and then in the book of Exodus, which uh, is the Greek term, but it just begins with, and the Lord. And then in Leviticus, and the Lord. But Deuteronomy changes. In Deuteronomy, it says, these are the words. And so we see, and uh, as we study this, uh, we see that uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, of course, Genesis is the book of beginnings the beginning of man, uh, the beginning of sin, the, the, uh, uh, the beginning of a new world after the flood, the beginning of a family that led us to the Lord Jesus Christ through Abraham. And so we see beginnings all through that book. Then in Exodus, we have the book of redemption. And of course, uh, how, that, uh, how that they were delivered from the, the bondage of Egypt and also given promises of a new life. And we see how that God provided for them even manna from heaven. Leviticus, of course, we have uh, um, the idea of the government, how that God was setting up the government for his people. But then uh, in Numbers, of course, we have failure. We have where they should have gone into the land, but uh, uh, we see that uh, they failed. And then Deuteronomy, though, begins with these are the words because it's a whole new generation and it's a whole new beginning. And each book all the way, now the next Deuteronomy beginning would be the eighth, but uh, the next seven books after uh, Deuteronomy all begin with and, which means it's a collective whole. So all the way from, Deuter from, from Joshua all the way to, to, through Second Kings, it's and, it's the history of Israel continuous history of Israel all the way through to the time that uh, they were in the pro and to they were taken into captivity and so it's a continuous whole it's interesting how that uh, so uh, the Bible was designed by God let's don't forget that and those little things 
that you just pick up along the way. I didn't realize that until I was studying this time. How many times have I preached on Joshua through my life, through 40 years? And just things that you keep picking up, just those little things, and you start seeing how intricately that God has woven the truth of his word uh, throughout Scripture. And so we see that, uh, that uh, now we begin... Uh, as we said many times that uh, Moses represented the law and the law cannot lead us to victory or through the promised land. It's our schoolmaster, as Paul says. It shows us that we're sinners. And so we then, but then we see a man named Joshua. His name means uh, Jehovah is salvation. And of course, it's the equivalent of the uh, Greek term Jesus. So Moses represented the law, but Jesus is the one who takes us to the promised land. He's the one who fights the battles and it goes before us as we will fight uh, the battles. Now, in saying that, we see the book of Joshua, we see as a sharp contrast to the book of Numbers. Um, and we see the failures there. Um, and they were not able to enter the land. In Joshua, we see this, uh, this is the victory that overcometh the world, which is First John chapter one verse five. Now, in saying that, uh, we know we saw back in Moses's closing messages, he kept telling Joshua to be strong, be strong, be strong. And of course, we're going to see that in Joshua chapter one, where God tells Joshua, "Be strong, be strong," four different times within the first nine verses. But we see now that. Uh, um, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. He says, um, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant or his minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am given to them, the, the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will have given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river. Now, this is interesting. We, they, they have never conquered this, but, the Moses, but Joshua never touched this land. But all the way to the river Euphrates is God's design. One time is going to be all part of the millennial kingdom. But there was specifically the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, that would be the people up and, that were up and down the uh, Mediterranean Sea, and to the Great Sea. When you see the Great Sea, that is the Mediterranean to the, to the west. Um, uh, toward the going down of the sun, of course, to the west, shall be your, uh, your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Have we heard that before? I will not leave you or forsake you. Now, this, uh, the book of Joshua, as you see in your notes, has a lot of parallels with the book of Ephesians because we see in the book of Ephesians that God has already predestined him. We talk, and you'll see when we've gone through Ephesians, but he talks about the inheritance that is laid up for the saints. And the promise is that God has given to those who love him and that will follow him. And we see that uh, this was, of course, now the inheritance. Notice that it says, the land that I will give you. 
Now, what did, did God give us salvation? Uh, there again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. It's not by works of righteousness. Excuse me. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of works. It is a gift of God. And notice, God gave this land to the children of Israel. Now, they had to fight for it, and that uh, represents the spiritual battles. We see each uh, one opened with a divinely ordained leader. And, of course, we see that in Joshua. And in the book of Ephesians, we see that in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is, uh, is Lord over all, and he's the head of the church, even Christ. In um, the book of Joshua, we see in verses 1 and 2 that uh, each one received uh, the gift must be received by faith. There again, we can lay it out there. And this, notice that God says, the land is before you, now go take it. Now, how do we enter the promised land? By taking it, by accepting the Lord for one, his gift, but then in go, moving forward for him in, in life. As he is our leader, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so we... Follow the Lord. And th these verses, we won't, uh, I'm giving you a, an overview, but uh, we won't look at each one of these in Ephesians because of time constraints and so forth. But also, each one of was a testimony uh, to the lost. And in Joshua chapter 4, verse 24, we see that, he, that all the nations will know. And of course, we know that in uh, chapter 4, well, let's just turn over to that because that's just uh, very close. Verse 24, uh, he says that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, uh, that he is mighty, that, he may, uh, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And so we see that uh, this was uh, what God did, the memorial stones. Remember that when they crossed over into the land, he said these were not only for you, but for the whole world to say, hey, listen, this is what God can do. And so all the world was to know, and the, the Israel was to be the oracle of God to a lost and dying world. And uh, that's the spokesman for God. Uh, the church today is to be what? The oracle of God. And we are the ones who are supposed to, that are to, our mission is to say to a lost and dying world, thus saith the Lord. Jesus saves. And so we see that uh, we are the oracle. And then also each one, is described as the scene of conflict. In Joshua 6, we know that uh, you know, they were going forward and, uh, and uh, the Lord of hosts was going to go with Joshua. And then, in, uh, and of course, that great passage in Ephesians chapter 6, we see that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand the assaults of Satan. And so that's, we see the spiritual battles that we're going to have as we enter into our rest, as we enter into what God wants in our lives. Now, Joshua, and if you just want to write these, uh, some of these verses down, but we first meet him back in Exodus chapter 17, verse 9. And that is where, uh, at Rephidim, where uh, um, water was uh, was taken care of. The water was turned, uh, made for, from uh, uh, where God met the needs of the people, the children of Israel. But at the same time, we see that uh, this was where they had war with the Amalekites. And uh, with that, we see that Joshua, just out of nowhere, is mentioned as the captain of the army. 
So that tells us that he would have been with Moses, or at least God had been dealing with Moses, all, all the way back into the time of Egypt. It tells us also something that he is at least in his late 20s, early 30s, uh, because he, and uh, uh, later on, within a couple of years, uh, will be, he and Caleb would be the only ones that would be 40 years later going into the Promised Land. So uh, we see that, um, that he's introduced to us, and he's already a military captain. So that tells us something happened in Egypt where he was a leader. And uh, we don't know exactly what, but uh, he already knew how to, uh, how to organize men for battle. He knew, how, he knew the implements of war. Uh, we don't know exactly why. Maybe he was a servant to a great Roman or to a great Egyptian um, general or something. We don't know. But at the same time, he was a man prepared to lead other men into war. In chapter 24, verse 19, we see that uh, Moses, when he went to the Mount of God, who did he take with him? Joshua. And, uh, of course, that's when the Lord gave him, of course, uh, the law. And we see that uh, Moses was God's minister, and yet... um, uh, we see that uh, Mos- that uh, uh, Joshua was the minister to the minister. So he was the assistant. In, ver- in chapter 32 of Exodus, we see that in verse uh, 15 and 16, that uh, when all the rest of the... Now remember, Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And Aaron and all the people got restless and they made that golden calf. Well, there was a man left alone about halfway up the mountain, but he never wavered. He stayed right with Moses. And that was Joshua. He was a very loyal servant. And of course, he was the one in chapter 33 as they're coming down and he says, there's a noise of war in the camp. If anybody knew what war was and sounded like, it would have been Joshua. And so we see that again, he was a very loyal servant. In chapter um, in Numbers chapter 11, we see that after the people had uh, rebuked, had been, and then they weren't going into the promised land that, uh, that God allowed or that God uh, set up uh, the tent of meeting where the Lord met with Moses outside the camp. Well, in chapter 11, verses, uh, well, in chapter 11, anyway, I didn't write down the exact verses, but we see that. Uh, that is, but, uh, but we see that uh, Joshua stood guard over that tent. So again, we see that, uh, that God used him. One thing that we noticed throughout, though, that uh, uh, any time that you see Joshua, he was always the obedient servant of Moses. Never once did he waver in his servant to Moses. In chapter 13 of uh, Numbers, back if you remember the 12 spies going into Canaan, Verse 16, we see his name was Hoshea. Just starting with an O with one of those diacritical marks that making the H sound. And that means salvation. Moses changed his name to Joshua, Jehoshua. And that is the idea of Jehovah is salvation. Now, remember what we said about names. People who had, uh, people, if you could rename a person, or if you named a person, then you had dominion over them. Remember 
Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they all had Babylonian names because Nebuchadnezzar changed their names. That's one of those great trivia things. What was the original names of, uh, of uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? What was it Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael? Something That was their Hebrew names, but it was changed. It's interesting, significant there about the power of mothers because most of the times, not always, but most of the time in the Old Testament, you'll see the mothers naming the children. Remember Leah? She named her kids. Uh, so we see that, uh, and so did Rachel. Now, again, the father could re super, uh, can change that name. He intervened with Thorold Benjamin. Uh, Son of my sorrows, how would you like to have a name like that? And so, uh, uh, so uh, Jacob stepped in and said, no, we're going to change his name to Son of my right hand. And so, the, he, because he had dominion over his wife. And so, again, we see that, but so many times, the woman had such power in the home, even by naming children. And so, she had a dominion that many times is lost to people. But uh, jo his name was changed to Joshua. And uh, then we see that as he went into the um, land. He and Caleb were the ones who said, fear not, let's go and whoop them. And uh, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And of course, the other 10 tribes or the other 10 spies rejected that and almost caused a riot. And the Lord rejected the whole uh, nation of Israel and said, everybody that, uh, except for, college, uh, for Joshua and Caleb, are going to go, are going to die in the wilderness. And the one thing you'll see about Joshua, and we'll pick out a couple of these things tonight, is that everything that God promised came true. Everything that God promised Moses came true through to, to Joshua, as far as working through these things. Um, then in chapter 34, we see that Eliezer and Joshua were the ones that, uh, or Numbers 34, where they were designated that they would be the ones who would divide the land. And we see that in the book of Joshua. We'll see that later on, the divisions of the land. If you look at uh, the last 12 chapters of that, of the book and the outline we, I gave you, you'll see that they divided the land. And it's interesting, you don't see one person objecting to the, to the uh, division of the land. You don't see, oh, wait a minute, you didn't give us enough. Now, later on, they had some problems. Dan had some problems and others, but uh, you don't see them objecting to what uh, Eliezer and Joshua did. But that was a tremendous responsibility to, to be able to, what's a, well, I hope we can fix that, but uh, that keeps everybody awake anyway, doesn't it? <laughs> it's so uh, uh, maybe that's what I need is just so I know when, when I see Al back there sleeping, I could punch it. No, <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, there again, uh, Eliezer. So uh, then in Deuteronomy 34, we see that in the sight of all, uh, 31, excuse me, in sight of all the people, the, we see that uh, Moses laid hands on Joshua and said, this is my designated successor. And in chapter, uh, verses, that's verses seven and eight. And, and, and again, we see in that passage three different times where God says, be strong, be strong, be strong. And, uh, and, and then in chapter 34, we see that um, he was, uh, that we see in verse 34, chapter, chapter 34, Deuteronomy, verse 9, he says, and Joshua was filled with the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom. 
And so uh, again, we see that God ordained him and God empowered him now to be this person who would lead the people into the promised land. Now, in saying that then, we turn back to the book of Joshua. And uh, we see that he says, And after the death of Moses, my servant, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. Notice now God is speaking to Joshua. This is the first time we see that. Before, it was always speaking to Moses and then uh, speaking to Joshua through Moses. But now he is in charge. And it's interesting. He says, my servant, my servant Moses is dead, but he did not change one rule. He did not change one iota of his law. Everything was still the way it was supposed to be as far as with Moses. So as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. So each generation, we can't say, well, we've got to reinterpret the Bible. No, we interpret it the way that God intends it to be. We always want to go back and look exactly what he said because the law or the word of God does not change. Now, the application of it might change a little bit. For instance, uh, you know, we might change the time of a service. Uh, back uh, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, they didn't have lights it's interesting reading the history of this church and how that they started having uh, services because, because they had gas lights on Sunday night. So we could change things like that around, but we do not change the message. And so we see that uh, we can change certain things as far as our practice, our worship of the Lord. Um, I've always wondered about how that you got people on these cold winter nights and, and days on horseback and buggies crossing the river and coming up here and having their horses stand out in zero degree weather as people came to, I just don't understand that. It's just a whole different world than we live in today. I loved what Darlene said uh, back in the church. They, they finally got, I mean, I think it was in her day, uh, which was the early 30s, they had indoor plumbing. Now they got it back in the 30s and 40s, but you know that church with 200 people only had one bathroom? You know, I mean, just, I mean, all those different things, you know, that uh, we just, things change. I was reading about uh, one of the dinners on the ground at one of their anniversaries, and they had tongue as one of the great, uh, one of the main dishes. Tongue of what? I guess uh, cow tongue or whatever. You might have had cow tongue. You have? Is it good? It is good. Okay. Uh, so we have uh, some old-fashioned people here. I don't know, but <laughs> no, uh Again, I, I don't know anything about that. Uh, but uh, so we can change actions and the way s some of the things that we do is worship because things change. But, we do, but I hope that we're preaching the same gospel that they started out with in 1865 because that doesn't change. And so we see that he says, my servant is dead, but now you, I'm raising you up. I'm changing leaders, but I'm not changing my message. And so we see, and I'm not changing my word. And Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. Now, boy, Joshua says, Lord, we're 40 years late. <laughs> you know, uh, boy, I was wanting to do that back when I was younger. But now I'm an older guy and I've got to lead these people. And Lord, I spent 40 years with these people and I know how bad they are. That's the reason we keep hearing the Lord say, be strong, be strong. I'm going to give it to you. Uh, and he says, so all these people the land that I have given them. There's the grace. Now, what are we to do? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
But thanks be to God, which giveth us the what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are in a battlefield. Yes, Canaan was the promised land, but they had to fight to get it and to keep it. Now, he did give them rest for their souls, and that's another term that you will see here, that after Joshua got the, the, the land had rest. And of course, we look at Hebrews about the, the, they entered into that rest. Why? Because they fought the battles and God gave them the victory and gave them the rest. And that's the pattern in our lives, uh, that uh, we are going to have battles. They who walk godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. I don't like that promise. Oh, I just love the promises of God. That's one I don't like. You know, that, I mean, then again, but am I willing to do it? Must I, um, okay, well, well, help me with the song. Um, must I be taken to the skies in flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? Am I a soldier of the cross? And so we see that there are going to be battles. There will be trials. It's not going to be uh, the Garden of Eden. Or as was that song, I didn't promise you a rose garden. No, it'll, it'll be a battle that we have as we would serve the Lord. But he says, be strong. Now, in that, we see that also we see the victory that uh, is won. And all of a sudden, that clock is going haywire. Uh, and it does that on the tra change time, so uh, I'm dependent on it. What time is it? What's that? Uh, 12, before 12 before 7. It can't be that late or that early. Wait a minute, 12 before, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, that means I got another hour and a half. No, but... Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, Sometimes I've been up here and that thing will just start spinning and I'm looking at it saying, what time is it? You know, right now I, I'm having trouble looking at it, but that's all right. I know what time it is. But, um, but we see as we go through here, look, let's just um, turn over to chapter 11, verse 15. In chapter 11, we see in verse 15, after the battles were we're over. Now, the first, remember the first 12 chapters deal with the possession of the land. And he says, as the Lord had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua. And so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Isn't that a good servant? I mean, he didn't go off in his own way, but the, he left nothing undone that God commanded Moses. And then in verse 21, or chapter 21, let's just look over there. And again, we see the obedience and the blessings that God had upon this man. And in chapter 21, this, again, this bigger Bible does not lend itself to a quick reference as far as changing. But uh, in chapter 21, in verse 45, again, that's the last verse of the Bible, now, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. God's promises are true. And everything that God promised Israel, the possession of the land, the victories, yes, struggles, but nothing that God promises will fail. And so again, we see that, uh, that intrinsic word where if God promises it to you, 
then it will happen. And God promised me a home in heaven. How about you? God promised me that he'll give me the victory through his power, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no temptation taken to me, but such as coming to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow me to be suffer, to, to, um, to suffer above that which are, okay, which I'm able. Okay, for God is faithful, who will not allow you to be suffered above which you're able. But God will, with the temptation, also make the way of escape. So God's promised that to us. Do we really trust God? And when the doubt, things are down, when we got, uh, when we got uh, loved ones who are being afflicted or the future seems to be, the rug seems to be yanked out from under us. Can we trust the Lord that uh, uh, my father knows best and I could trust in his care through purging more fruit I will bear? Do I, can I really trust God in those areas? There's nothing God says there's no good thing that he will withhold from them who walk uprightly. Lord, if that's the case, then why did my car tear up? Or Lord, if that's the case, why did this great tragedy happen? God always uses those things to produce better servants if we will let him. And again, we see that the promises are as secure as the word of God. Now in saying that just with a a purpose, we see if we go over to chapter 24, I love this. He, Joshua was the same age as his great-great-great-granddaddy when he died. Who was his great-great-great-great-granddaddy? Joseph. And he was 110 years old when he died. It's interesting how that they equate the two together in this last passage in Joshua. As we look at uh, this in verse uh, 29, And it came to pass after those days that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old, and he was buried within the border of the inheritance in Tenasserah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim. And Ephraim was whose child? He was Joseph's child. On the north side of Gerish, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. So he passed on the heritage. Remember, he was the one who said, uh, choose you this day whom you'll serve, but first me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we see that his children served the Lord. And all those, uh, and notice he was a good leader. He taught his leaders to lead in serving the Lord. So they all... Uh, to they who knew the works, lest we forget those eyewitnesses, those teenagers that watched and walked through that uh, uh, through that ocean, and they saw that manna every day, and they saw that fire, uh, fiery pillar at night, and the cloud by day, and they saw the victories as young people, as children below twenty years old. God, they served the Lord all those days. But then we see, and the bones of Joseph. It's interesting how they buried them together. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought out of Egypt. Remember what, um, what Joseph said? The promise. Uh, we're not going to stay here, folks. Uh, but when we leave, take my bones with you. Now, we're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live to see you leave Egypt. But God's promised the promised land. So take my bones out of here. 
and take them back up and bury them where God has promised our granddaddy, Abraham, what he was going to do. And so he said, uh, he said uh, they brought the bones out of Egypt and they buried them in Shechem, the plot of ground which Jacob had brought for, from the sons of Hamar, Hamar, um, the father of Shechem. And you remember that story. Some of it was very tragic, but at the same time, this is where God had met uh, in the area which God had met Jacob uh, in Jacob, uh, Jacob's latter fame. Um, for but for 100 pieces of silver, and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. Yes, this was the division that Joseph had made. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, remember now he was the second generation. Aaron died uh, before, uh, he died on the mountain shortly before Moses did. But his son, Eliezer, the son of Aaron, uh, they buried him in the hill belonging to Phinehas, the son, his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. And of course, that was one of the Levite cities. And so again, we see that everything, everything that God promised came to pass. If he promised it to Moses, as far as the land was concerned, God's promises are sure. And so, folks, God will never leave you or forsake you. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus? Do we really believe that the struggles of life and why some of them go on and well, some of our people have gone through them for years now and so they just don't let up? And yet, do we really believe that, that we can say, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, there's going to be defeats on the way. Jo Joshua had his AI, and he had his other times where he had to fall on his face and, and get right with God. But overall, God looked down, and with the Apostle Paul, he would say what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. God puts a premium on faithfulness. God puts a premium on obedience to his word. And in Psalm 119, I just keep looking at the Lord, don't let me wander from your precepts. That idea, I want to know exactly what you want me to do in serving you. And so we see that Joshua was that type of man. Jehovah is salvation. And Jesus is salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it can do in our lives. Lord, as we would take up this study, may we see you speaking to us through your word and through the examples of Joshua. You tell us, to, Paul tells us through you, or you tell us through Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 that all these things were examples for us. So Lord, may we glean what you taught to others. Use us, Lord, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.